What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Starting by Those Two Podcasts. I am your host with the most, Presley Meyer, and today we have a special guest, my site co-director, my mono, what, what was the word? My, my macho man, that's not right, but I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to say good, that we should, no, My no. macho man, Jacob Lane, has decided to join me for the Starting 502 podcast. Jacob, how are we doing? I am doing so good. If I was doing any better, man, I would be you right now. And it is just an, an honor to be back. I have not been back since the first episode, uh, which is okay. I understand. You know, we're busy. My phone number sometimes gets lost. People don't respond to texts. I get it. But <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm just like happy to be you. here. I'm having a, a son tomorrow. And so, you know, what's better the night before you have your second kid than to do a podcast? Yeah, no big deal. Just podding about kids. Maybe we can get getting get into that a little bit later uh, about uh, our wonderful Liam Lane, the most dope name ever coming into the world. Um, no, I'm, guard. I'm excited to have you back on. Uh, we have some changes to the podcast. Uh, you'll notice Will, Will Reddington isn't on tonight. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But we wanted to kick things off, get started talking about um, a, big, a big night last week for the University of Louisville basketball program. Having David Johnson selected by the Dallas, Ma- or excuse me, by the Toronto Raptors, and then Carly Jones being signed uh, shortly thereafter as an undrafted free agent by the Dallas Mavericks. We wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, I guess my first question for you, Jacob, you're more of the the NBA draft expert, which is why I feel like we're bridging this gap really well uh, because you're the guy, you're the you're the 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 kind of the expert, the resonant, knowledgeable expert about all things NBA particularly our guys. So what was your uh, instant reaction? Were you surprised? I don't think you were based on your predictions coming into it. 
you want to know here? I'll, I'll give you kind of a funny story about draft night. I, I did my very best to stay up through the second round. You know me pretty well. And, you know, I go to bed at like 930 on any given night. Like the yeah. sports thing that night just it's typically not happening. For yeah, me. we have this a child in, in, a, in a very pregnant wife. So I yeah, you go to bed. Look, if you're whatsoever. if you're a parent, you I, I think most parents, especially I think early on when they have kids, they realize like, OK, they go to bed at this time. Some are night owls and that gives them like a second wind. Me, no. When my kids go to sleep, typically I'm ready to go to sleep right after. So but anyways, I, I, I always make it a priority every year to watch the NBA draft and uh, did that again this year. Usually I stay up, but I fell asleep like three or four picks before David was picked um, by the Raptors. And I woke up the next morning and instantly wanted to check, you know, and see where he went. And I checked Twitter and I couldn't find anything. And then I checked the NBA.com uh, draft tracker and I just so happened to overlook David's name. And so I thought he went undrafted. So I'm here, ser- sitting here on a Friday morning pissed off as I pour my coffee, get ready to sit down at my work computer because I'm thinking David Johnson didn't get drafted. Uh, sure enough, I eventually find out that he's drafted by the, the Raptors in the second round. And it's around the same range where you and I predicted in our piece from the state of Louisville.com. Uh, he'd land somewhere in that, you know, back half of the second round, mid 40s with a, a team that's probably, you know, either, uh, you know, rebuilding or looking to kind of restock their uh, G League team. And I think that with David Johnson, that's what the Raptors got. I think you'll see him probably sign a two way contract, which for those people who don't know what that is, it's just a split deal. Uh, where he'll essentially spend half of the NBA season with the Raptors and half with the uh, 905, which is the Raptors G League team uh, up in Canada. And uh, they have notoriously been able to produce players that route. Chris Boucher is a guy who's become really prominent for them over the last few years. Fred Van Leet is a guy that we all know here locally. He's gone undrafted, gone up through that Raptor system, now is a really highly paid player. So the Raptors are probably going to fill one of those two-way slots. Each team gets two with David Johnson. Um, And – what I wrote is David Johnson essentially has 45 days to fit, to prove he can make it in the NBA. Um, And, you know, I think the Raptors are a team, like I said, they've, they've got a history of developing players. So I like that about them. I I like that Kyle Lowry is gone, is gone. They're, you know, clearly rebuilding. They're a few years removed for that title. No Kawhi Leonard. Um, DeMar DeRozan is a way, you know, figure of the past here. And, so it's it's a new day in Toronto. Nick Nurse is a guy that I really, really like. I read his book over the summer when I went to the beach earlier this year. Um, he's a fascinating coach. He's got a really, really interesting way of going about things. And um, the thing that I find interesting about this, and Presley, you, you are really good at breaking down games and, and you know watching a player and, and analyzing what they do. But I know David Johnson shot a much better shooting percentage this year from three. He was 38%, not really a volume guy. So, you know, I don't know if that's a fair number to give him, but Nick Nurse is a firm be- a believer in not shooting a mid-range jumper. He, he writes in his book that he uh, has pioneered this drill in the NBA uh, that, is, that started when he was in England as a coach, and he eventually took it to the NBA D-League when he created the Iowa team, uh, the Iowa Energy, and he has now you know, really kind of made this his thing in the NBA. Now it's almost commonplace for NBA teams to do this, but they put spots on the court um, in the mid-range where if you shoot, you lose points. Uh, to discourage taking what the NBA has essentially eliminated, which is contested mid-range jumpers that don't count as much as three-pointers. So David Johnson, as we know, is a guy that's really – I I don't know if he's a – would you call him a mid-range shooter? I mean, he's a guy who gets into the lane and does a lot of, you know, floaters and gets, you know, nifty things around the basket. But I do remember – I feel like he's a guy who, you know, consistently was able to kind of get what he wanted in the mid-range and at least able to pull up and get a jumper. So David Johnson, to me – he doesn't strike me as really a mid-range guy. Like he, his bread and butter is at the basket. 
Um, I think that he's kind of like a more of a floater guy, more of like a challenged uh, bank shot guy. Um, to me, he's not really like a, when I think of like a mid range guy, I think of Samuel Williams and like, he's like the proto- prototype um, for, for the kind of old school basketball player. And, and Louisville hasn't really had a guy like Samuel Williamson in a while. Maybe you can think of somebody that comes immediately to mind, but um, a, as the, the mid range shot is gone, Terry, um, but gone by the wayside. Terry, Terry Rozier, you think big, yeah. big time mid range guy. You remember yeah. he, he was the king That's, of getting that kind of hezzy and getting into the, you know, into the middle of the court and getting what he wanted. Chris Jones also comes to mind yeah. as, as a guy who is definitely the, mm-hmm. the mid range guy. And I, I know that, that uh, a lot of Rick Pitino players had the propensity to, to take some of those like really long two point shots that we all just drive, drove us all nuts. Uh, that's, that's a different story for a different day. Um, but no, I, he doesn't really strike me as a mid range guy. I don't think that'll really take away from what he does. I think that his ability to um, get guys on their heels uh, could help him potentially take and make more mid range shots. Like I think that he's a, he's a decent mid range shooter. Yeah. Um, but but I don't saying think it's not his bread and butter. It's not his bread and butter. That's not where, where Fair. he's going to make his money. Fair. And and I think that he has that potential. Uh, we saw Donovan Mitchell was, was kind of a budding um, three point shooter coming out of college. You know, I think his, in his freshman year, he was not a shooter at all. He was more of an athlete, uh, really specialized in, in making like eye popping plays. And then in his sophomore season, he really made that jump to becoming a really solid three point shooter, but he wasn't, he was still like what David Johnson was. It wasn't until about midway through Donovan Mitchell's uh, rookie campaign that, that he ultimately um, became the player that we know him to be now, who is the fastest player in NBA history to make it to what 500 made three point shots. Is that right? Something 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 like that. Something crazy like that. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah, Did, okay, we're on the other side. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, I wrote. I kind of mentioned this in the article that we did together. Um, you think he made a mistake? I mean, I know he. You know, there was a lot of hype of of him being a first rounder, a guy who would potentially be able to rise to the lottery. Didn't really seem like he ever really gained much traction. And you know, I, I, we're going to get into talking about the potential transfer that Louisville could be landing in the next couple of days or weeks or whatever, but I couldn't, I, and we know obviously about the Noah locks and the L Ellis's and all the guys that, that Jared West, that they've added this off season and the, the just kind of updates to the, the style of play. I just couldn't help, but think that David Johnson would have really, really thrived uh, as the leader of this team without Carly Jones. Well, like you said, hindsight is 2020. Uh, but in the same breath, I would say that when David Johnson chose to stay in college, I believe it. I believed it to be the right decision. Number one, he was in a very draft heavy or excuse me, guard heavy draft um, last season. Uh, n- number two, it would have been on a very limited body of work. Uh, and, and so I, I know that kind of the knock on him now is that there's too much of a body of work. You know, it's you have to have like that perfect. Right. Uh, perfect fit for the NBA. Right. Like there's very few Davion Mitchells who are kind of like uh, journeyman guys and then end up being a top 10 pick. Um, so it, he was just that like in between, like where he just couldn't get healthy enough and couldn't get enough playing time. His freshman season kind of came on towards the end of his freshman year. And then during his sophomore year, going into the season, we thought David Johnson was the guy. Right. Like we were talking like David Johnson, Malik Williams, Samuel Williamson. I think that was kind of the, the discussion entering the season. Uh, Carly Jones was kind of like, we saw that, saw Carly Jones is like a fresh Kimball or like a, 
um, you know, one of these grad transfers, like maybe a Chris Jones of the past. I don't think yeah. we saw Carly Jones being like one of the best players in, in the Chris Mack era and one of the better players since the, you know, maybe like 2014, 2015 team. Like Carly Jones was dominant. Yeah. He, he asserted himself into the global system. And um, you, we'll get into Carly here in just a second. But ultimately, he took away from a lot of what they wanted David Johnson to do last season. And right. he did, did it honestly just because of his, his experience. He did it a little bit better than Johnson was able to do. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I hide inside obviously is 2020. Like if we could go back and do it again, like, yeah, probably David Johnson would have gone in the first round last year, or maybe he's just slightly higher than, than this year. However, he has an experience under his belt. I think either way he would have ended up with one of those two way contracts or, you know, in, in the summer league trying to fight for one of those last roster spots either way. Now he's set up better to make, make one of those roster spots maybe possibly land a two-way contract and we've seen a lot of guys do that um you know you mentioned fred van bleed on this on the same team was one of those guys yeah um you you know uh uh, um damian lee uh from from is is another louisville guy that stands out i've got another louisville guy that was on a two-way contract i bet you'll never guess this i'll give you one guess you can just pick a think of the two-way contracts now i've been out for like four years uh you could just pick the montrez herald Right? No, no, because he was a second round pick. I think he came before they put that in. It was Mango Mathian played a full season with the oh, Charlotte yeah. Hornets. You remember, like, just like what? Yeah. There's ever a Louisville player that start a just... game. He was like the first player <laughs> in his in his class to start a game, and we all thought it was going to be like you know Terry Rozier, or... the most sideways shit Louisville thing ever. Just Mango Mathian playing in the yeah. NBA. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Yeah, um, but you know, I, 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 to kind of piggyback off of your point here, like, yeah, I get that he, like, he could have gone last year, but there wasn't anywhere near. Like, you have to be if you're gonna leave after appearing in like 18 games, you have to be Josh Christopher at Arizona State, or you have to be Jalen Johnson at Duke. You got to have a five star name brand, some some right. recognition there, and he didn't have that. And so obviously this year it was pivotal, pivotal for him to kind of, you know, show at least a little bit, and I think he did, but. I just I think that there is a disconnect of some of his skills um, and kind of what NBA coaches are wanting to see because he was playing in that off guard position. It was just kind of weird. He never really got to really take control and rhythm of a game. And, um, you know, I I think that in this offense, he really could have improved because there would have been up and down, which we know David is is good at. But, um, you know, I think that this is about as good of a fit you could have asked for strictly because of Nick nurse, the kind of player he is the G league system mixed in, which I know that a lot of people don't really care about the G league. Um, and I understand why that is, but like a lot of player development and a lot of advancement happens at that level. Um, and so it's going to be crucial if David's down there that he's getting the instruction and getting the development that he needs, but also the, the ample amount of opportunity to prove that at the NBA level. Um, and I, and I think that the Raptors last season played, uh, I, I, am going to throw a name at you that you've never heard before, but he ended up signing from a two-way deal to his guarantee deal. Wuda Utambe played for the Raptors last season on a two-way deal, eventually signed with them. So again, Chris Boucher, Fred Van Lee, like these, this is a place that signs developmental guys. They don't necessarily just kick them out. Like you see with the Knicks or you see with the, uh, with the Rockets or like just constantly the magic flowing through these guys and never really giving them a chance to develop. David's got a really good spot. Uh, the one I'm worried about, though, Presley, not to kind of take your thunder and run with the topic here is Carly Jones, because 
Uh, I thought that I really didn't think he was going to get drafted, but I really thought that Carlique was going to be a guy that shortly after the draft, because of how well he did at the combine, the NBA G League elite camp, that he would sign a two-way contract, and he didn't. Yeah, you know, it's tough, but at the same time, I, I look at him being like, you know, we talked about Fred Van Vliet, and that's what I wrote about uh, prior to the draft was I really felt that uh, that that he could kind of model himself after the Fred Van Vliet model because I think that he kind of came up in the same way, um, and and he he wound up uh, for playing for a franchise or he wound up getting an opportunity with a franchise um, that that just um, had just departed with a player very similar to his kind of size and skill set in in JJ Barea. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus right is that a good comparison i mean is yeah i mean look we talked about this a little bit last off season on the big red lily podcast i can't remember what the what the context was but we talked about how the mavericks have always been a team that has taken smaller guards like the raptors and put them through a system and eventually been able to you know kind of take them up the ladder you mentioned um yeah you know you mentioned jj berea that's a decent comparison i'd say uh, he's more of a passing guard first than a score younger JJ Barea. Maybe you can argue he's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they've had, they had Trey Burke this season, which I know they didn't bring him up in their system, but he was a guy that a lot of NBA teams gave up on and they brought him in smaller guard, put him in a scoring opportunity, you know, type of role. And he made, you know, his, uh, he took advantage of it. And I think that, um, I, I would have thought that Carly Jones, um, and there's still a chance that he's going to be able to get a, uh, you know, Definitely. on the roster. He's going to play in the summer league with the Mavericks, but not to kind of um, jump the story here. But they, the, the Mavericks just made a move as the NBA free agency opened to re-sign Nate Hinton, one of their two-way players in their second-round pick last year, who is another guard. And so now the odds of the Mavs going with two guards on a two-way contract very very slim they could always do that but so now it's just the rest of the nba like just because he's not going to play for the mavericks doesn't mean there's a, there's not an opportunity somewhere else so the focus for car league shifts to the summer league which david's you know focus is obviously on the summer league as well but car league needs this to make a roster like if he's going to have any chance of playing in the nba ever he has to have an a plus uh performance at the summer league here's the thing though if there's if there's any player that you wouldn't count out in that situation I'm thinking it's Carly Jones because this is a guy um, who kind of was overlooked uh, at, during his recruitment. Like, you know, Chris Mack was a guy that he was waiting and waiting and waiting for an offer from Chris Mack. Uh, and it just never happened. Comes full circle, ends up playing uh, at a very high level at the highest level of college basketball there is. And then he, you know, ends up only going into the, I guess they call it the G league or the D league draft now. Uh, and then he was one of what three or four people who was invited to the actual or not draft the, the combine excuse me and then he was one of three or four people that was invited from that combine to the actual nba combine so yeah so and then not to cut you off here which i'm going to as i say not to cut you off but aaron wiggins who was the other kind of big standout at the nba g league event was drafted uh in the second round by the thunder 
already signed to a two-way deal. So like interesting. Yeah, that, yes. that is an interesting thing to bring up. So I mean, he, he's gonna have his he's gonna have his back against the wall, but that that seems like it's the way that he's played his entire career. And I think that you see the best Carly Jones come out uh in those scenarios. You know, I think that he was the guy that wanted the ball in his hands last season. He kind of rose to the occasion and he's the sort of guy, he's just a winner. And I think that if he just gets those opportunities uh, in the summer league, I think that he can absolutely still prove himself. However, absolutely, it's gonna, man, it's still going to take some luck. Like it yeah. is like, I, I think right now as the Mavs roster stands, uh, his best chance is getting a two way contract and he's still going to have to work for that. And he's going to have to not hope for an injury, but maybe like maybe a trade will land him there. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know what, what the, what the scenario that could put him in that position would be. Um, but the dominoes always fall in weird ways. Um, and that, that's the reason why they have all these uh, other players coming in, uh, trying to get a position on the roster because you never know what's going to happen. You know, somebody could get, get kicked off the team. Somebody could, um, you know, demand that they're traded or you, any number of things could happen. And that could present an opportunity for Carly Jones. Um, and he's kind of the guy that just kind of fits the bill. And if not, like he, he seems like a, the, the perfect fit uh, for one of these guys that goes overseas and they're like journeymen overseas for three or four years and then maybe try to come back and take another stab at it. I mean, you look at um, guys like, I mean, I know Jalen Johnson never really had a lot of success, but uh, you mentioned Mango Mathiang. Like there's a lot of guys that uh, Damian Lee, like they're, that went to Louisville and they've just been floating around uh, just kind of waiting, waiting to seize their opportunity. Some guys that never come, some guys end up going overseas and liking it that, that much, like, you know, a Peyton Siva, a Kyle Keurig. Uh, those sort of guys. And then some guys just never get their opportunity like Russ Smith. So you just really, you don't, you don't really know what's going to happen, but if there's anybody over the last, maybe even decade uh, for Louisville basketball that you would choose to, to kind of be in this situation that you would think that they could be successful. I think Carly Jones is right up there as one of those names that, that could ultimately uh, wind up having success in this type of situation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it's, you make a great point about Carly's story of always being the, the competitor with his back against the wall, put in situations where he really has to prove himself. I think he, you know, fits all of that. Um, in Dallas, it's probably not happening, just being honest with you. Like, just to take a look at their summer league, and I don't want to give too much Mavericks analysis here because I don't think anybody cares about that. But uh, for, what it, for what it's worth, they drafted uh, Josh Green out of Arizona last year in the first round. He will probably be kind of like the premier guy in their summer league. Nate Hinton, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He played at Houston. Two-way guy who they just re-signed. He'll play in the summer league most likely. Um, he'll be a big part. Devontae Schuler is a guy who declared early from Ole Miss. Uh, another really kind of dynamic scoring guard who fits the same mold as Carleek. Uh, so he's, you know, obviously competition for him. And then they have Tyrell Terry, who was an early second rounder last year out of Stanford. So it's really stacked guard uh, position with Dallas, with guys who kind of already have ties to their program. Um, I'm watching out for a, a team like the Miami Heat. They, they just uh, re-signed right. two of their guys who were on two-way deals last year. Much like the other the, the, the Raptors, they used their feeder system and their two-way guys to sign you know players for low contracts um, who specialize in one or two things to play at the end of their bench as a 14th and 15th guy. Um, Carly Jones, they, they need a two-way guy on a, a two-way guard. They didn't have a draft pick this year. I like Miami Heat um, as a you know somebody, if Carly plays well, where I could see him fitting in. He fits that heat culture, that grind. Really love basketball. Um, I could really see him being a good fit there. But, man, the Summer League is going to be really interesting because – uh, you're going to have Carly Jones. You're going to have David Johnson. Uh, you're going to have Stephen Enoch making a return to the summer That's league. Right. 
probably won't see Jordan Wara. Maybe actually, you know, he's going to be back uh, having come off of the Olympics. Uh, you might see Jordan. If you see Jordan, man, I bet he might be the leading scorer in the summer league straight up after he, he what he be, just did in the Olympics. Yeah. He'd be extremely entertaining to watch it. And, and just, we get to see Jordan to, and Steve on the same team. Hey, that'd be pretty cool. And, and so one, one thing just to chime in real fast. So, uh, I don't know if you saw Jordan Wara had his last game of the Olympics, uh, last night, if you were listening to this, maybe, uh, two nights ago, um, and finished with 20 points. Uh, so he had, uh, a what is it 34 point game a 20 point game and then the first game was what like a 10 off the 10 bench points. yeah he finished so, averaging 22 23 points per game in his first olympics um after ricky rubio's scoring performance today i would imagine ricky will finish behind luka Doncic as the second leading scorer um and so that'll put jordan in the top five easily man and you're talking about a kid who is 22 23 years old who just did that in his first Olympic performance. And I told, I told you guys this in the group chat and you know, we're Louisville guys. All right. We're not, we're not going to hide that. We are, we like to put outlandish things out there, but I told our guy, like I told everybody in the group chat, there's so much clay Thompson and Chris Middleton and Jordan Warren, just the ability to score 30 points without ever touching the basketball and, you know, pick and rolls or, you know, tr transition. Like he's a guy that literally can just get hot from three, like he did in that second game against Australia and go for 35 in an NBA uh, performance. And that team, the, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're, they're trying to rebuild off of what they had this year as they won a championship. I would expect we're going to see Jordan in a pretty important role next year. And, we always said he was going to be a really good role player in the NBA because of his ability to shoot. They might have something special, man. Yeah, and, and you know, we talk about these hypothetical scenarios because that's what we do over the summer. Um, and one hypothetical that I would have loved to see was just having Carly Jones there one year earlier. If you think about Louisville's offense with one more creator with a playmaker like Jordan War in that offense, uh, what we were missing a lot in Jordan War's final season where it was, it was kind of controversial because he just, like, didn't have – the it factor, the it factor is like the number one guy, right? Like he just didn't have like what it's a kill to kind of, switch. To, yes. To, to put Louisville over the edge. He doesn't have like that, like killer mentality, but he has that playmaking. Like, like he could be very much, you know, you made the Clay Thompson comparison. I'm not saying that he's even remotely on that level, but he could, he needed this, the Steph Curry to his Clay Thompson um, and, and on the college level. Yeah. That very well could a be comparison. a like guy that. like, like Carly Jones. He just needs another guy who can fill it up and who can distribute because, like you said, he moves so well without the ball and his catch and shoot, his catch and shoot ability is just so dangerous. And when he's on that Nigerian national team, he has all these guys who are just veteran savvy guys and they can just make make plays for him and create for him. You just see him just constantly floating around. You didn't see that much at Louisville. He was either stationary or he was dribbling, kind of creating plays for others, and that's not really his role. Like, I mean, yeah, he's great at driving the lane. He's a great, he's a decent cutter. Uh, he's an obviously an awesome spot up shooter, but he was never put in the correct situations because of what was around him at Louisville. There are a lot more guys like a, like you saw a lot of Jordan Wara and Ryan McMahon and Fresh Kimball type of lineups in his senior season in, or junior season. And nothing against Ryan McMahon and Fresh Kimball and, you know, Stephen Enoch or else was in, whoever else was in the game. But those aren't guys that are going to be setting him up for a lot of success. Like maybe he's on some one-offs, but that's not going to be like their bread and butter. Their bread and butter is going to be going through Jordan Wara. And since he was the guy that was being keyed on against a lot of these good teams, like, you know, we talked about like he didn't show up against like the Virginias and Kentuckys and that sort of thing. The, the reason being because there weren't other guys that get, could get him the ball well enough. So he had to go out there and do other things. So he could ultimately 
Uh, this has been a, kind of a long sidebar, but he could, he could ultimately uh, have a lot of success in the league, like you said, and be a guy that they can move other pieces in Milwaukee and move Jordan Wara up uh, and, and kind of have him be the, one of the future guys in their system uh, rather, rather than it kind of being the other way around where at Louisville, like he was the guy uh, and, and, and it was either, you know, some games, uh, you know, like the Boston college game where he scored 37 uh, it was all the Jordan Warriors show. Whereas, you know, other games, you know, teams with more ability could key on him. So like you said, he's, he's going to be an excellent role player in the league. Um, one other excellent role player that I want to get into um, before we get out of here today um, is Louisville's potential. And when you're listening to this, um, you know, it might've already happened, but potential addition uh, of a graduate transfer from Western Carolina, Jacob, what do you, what are we thinking about our man? Um, I don't know why his name's escaping me. Mason Faulkner, Mason Faulkner. What do we, well, what do you, I, I say this, I give, think us, a, that give us just it, a little breakdown. I apologize. Well, I think if anybody should be giving us the breakdown when it comes to Mason Faulkner, it's you, you're the one that wrote about him. And, uh, you know, back when he was a target for Louisville, which is just so funny how this off season has worked with the transfer portal, like guys who were on the radar in March and April are now supposed to be enrolled and like doing their, their thing at their new school. But yet here they are transferring. Um, here's what I know about him. Okay. I know that he was a uh, really, really, really high level scorer at Western Carolina. Uh, I think he averaged somewhere between like 18, 19 points a game. Uh, he was a guy who was like multiple time all SOCON, um, which I know isn't like the most prestigious thing in the world, but um you know, it, it, when anytime you're able to to be an all conference player, you know, there's really the the potential for you to show that you are, you know, uh, you know, maybe a potential NBA player down the road, high level overseas guy. But the way we're seeing college basketball work now is instead these guys are moving up levels and trying to prove it at the, you know, the ACC, the Big Ten, whatever. Um, and so he uh, committed to Colorado after playing at Western Carolina as a graduate transfer and Colorado for those people who don't really pay attention to Pac-12, like they've been a budding team the last few years under their, their coach's name is Tad Boyle, which has got there to be the go. worst I was name a, in coaching ba- basketball. I was about to ask you, do you know Colorado's coach's name? Tad, Tad Boyle. Boyle. Tad Boyle Incredible. is like, just, God, those parents. Like, what do you do? Like, Tad has got to be something that over time has been shortened. I don't know, like, what it is. Because, you know, like, Robert is Bob. Right? But maybe, like, maybe. Yeah, that's a good guess. I would have never thought go. of that. I but I think I'd up. rather go by Thaddeus Boyle than Tad Boyle. Thomas Martin Tad Boyle is his name. Okay. All right. Well, you know, they're a team that is, you know, kind of peaking in the the Pac-12. They just had McKinley, McKinley Wright sign with the, the uh, Timberwolves after going undrafted. They've had Tyler Bay. They've had um, several really high-level players, and they've been, you know, borderline tournament teams. And so Mason Faulkner, after Louisville kind of, you know, was talked about as being a fit, Matt Jones even teased he was going to commit to Louisville that weekend. Um, this was super early in kind of the portal um, offseason, but yet, you know, here he is. Uh, you're, he's supposed to be supplanted at Colorado and getting ready for the season. But there's, you know, all of a sudden these rumors that come out of nowhere uh, about Louisville adding him. And it really makes you say, hmm. So maybe the Marcus Carr thing wasn't just we really want Marcus Carr because he's the best player out there, but more of a, okay, we see we don't have the pieces we need and we can't be content. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That, that's the thing that I've said from, from the jump. It's not that Louisville doesn't have talent at the guard position. I think when you look at the three like guards that that we're going to play quite a bit uh, before this potential probably will be addition of Mason Faulkner, uh, when you look at Noah Locke, when you look at Jared West, when you look at L. Ellis, those are three guards with that are have a ton of potential. And for all we know, those three guys could have totally eaten up all the minutes uh, and left no crumbs left at all. But we know that's not how that never happens. Um, and it's not like you're, you're not going to have any like. Uh, David Levages coming off the bench, you know, like I know Rick Bettina was able to fill in um, a lot of, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say like cleanup time, but like a lot of like end of the half scenario or like yeah. a scenario where he really needed a guy to a, a, a small white guy to get off a shot. And, and so the it, Brad Giannini role, essentially yes, is what you're saying. There, okay. Gotcha. Yes. There, there's some the like Dylan Avar. Any, there was there's there was always a skinny white dude with a weird hairdo Chad uh, that was always coming off the bench. I mean, look at Kyle Keurig, for God's sake. I mean, my guy didn't even have a scholarship for two years. He's a I'm sorry. No, I'm just naming random white guys that would fit yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, Will I mean, Scott. Yeah, it, there was always one of those guys. Sam Bearden is not going to be that guy, right? So, like, when you look at a Rick Pitino, <laughs> hey, don't you sleep on Sam Bearden, hey, okay. son? I don't see, look. I'm Sam kidding. Bearden, Go on. Continue. Continue your point. Bearden. We don't need to sit here and debate that. Go on. Exactly. Anyways, point being. If you have one guy get injured, even for one or two games, that could be your entire season. I mean, like if you look at how just volatile the ACC uh, standings are, uh, the difference between a double buy and no and no buy at all uh, could just be Noah Locke being out for two games. Like if Noah Locke comes in, he's that guy, and he's good for you know at three threes a game. That could be the difference if Noah Locke has a little ankle injury, and all of a sudden you have nobody to step in. Like, you know, that, that completely just throws off the entire roster. And you saw that happen last season when Louisville basically had nobody to go to outside of Carly Jones and David Johnson. Uh, so I, I think that having that fourth guard is just essential to this roster makeup. Yes. And yes. People, people are going to turn this Preach. into, people are going to turn this into, oh, well, Jared West can't, isn't capable, or, you know, the coaching staff seeing this and that. I think the coaching staff has had their eye out for, for the right guy all along. Uh, it sounds like they threw all their eggs into the Marcus Carr basket, uh, but that seemed like it was just something that was never going to uh, come to fruition. Uh, it just kind of seemed, I mean, like, I think we all got really excited at, at the potential of it, but it felt like a pipe dream, uh, except for maybe like one day where he actually just like threw Louisville's name out and everybody's like, what? But in reality, like it was just like Texas from, from the beginning. Um, and, you know, like if I said anything contradictory to that, then I'll eat my words. But I mean, like it, it, it's, that that seemed like a situation that was never going to happen. Uh, you have a guy, um, and and I keep forgetting this kid's name. Dang it, Mason Faulkner. Mason Faulkner. I want to say I Start, he say, started his career at Northern Kentucky. Yes, he started for he played. He's for from Glasgow, Kentucky. Yeah, Glasgow his grandpa and- is Boo Brewer. No, that's not that's not right. His his sons his son that's I botched that so badly that I just totally connected dots that should have been connected. But he his father in law is Boo Brewer. 
His potential father in law is potential yes. future father in law is B. Brewer. How about that? Yes, I like it. Okay. There's so, Louisville connections. There's Louisville connections all over the place. Um, we but he have, plays for Colorado. Yes. Um, yeah. That, that, and that's kind of like, that's kind of weird, right? Like, how does do it not feel Chris like Mack? we're kind of like doing something we shouldn't be? Which I'm not saying they are. Don't take that. Don't take that as me saying we're oh, cheating. No. But like, it just feels weird that we're about to start playing basketball in like two months and we're talking about getting somebody from another team. Like, should we trade them right. somebody? <laughs> like, is that is that how this is going to start working with the portal? I mean, I don't Sorry, think there, was, I don't I don't think there were any you. Taco Bell bags being dropped or anything like that. Uh, but it is a weird. You're right. I don't know how you go from like, uh, you know, seven circles of what what whatever the the whole connection thing is and Louisville and Kentucky just being you know, a, a big, a big town with a small town feel type type of thing, but how you go from all those connections and Chris Mack to Tad Boyle, I'll, I'll never understand, but whatever. Uh, it sounds like what happened was um, right after he had a child, uh, he decided that he was going to commit to Colorado instead of Louisville, Kentucky, and some of these other schools that he was talking to. Uh, I don't know if he had a committable offer. I don't know what the, what the situation was. Ultimately he ended up um, at Colorado he was actually there practicing um, and kind of, you know, working out with the team and whatever, but he never enrolled in classes. Uh, so there's like a little workaround where since he was never in classes, he was just on campus practicing. Uh, then he is able to actually back out um, and, and play his, what would now be his sixth year um, at it, what will ultimately be not official as of the recording of this podcast uh, at Louisville. Um, and so what it sounded like was, he had a previous injury last season. He was banged up all last season. Tad Boyle, our guy, uh, said that he, when they watched him practice, they didn't think that he was ultimately going to be at 100%. He would, they would have kind of been, you know, putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole type thing and ultimately risking his career and his professional uh, aspirations if he weren't to either A, let it heal, or B, get like a little minor surgery. So he gets a minor surgery. They kind of have some time off. He goes back to Kentucky, visit his family, and he's like, damn, this is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I think his his child is like six or seven months old now. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, I think he wants to be back here. He wants to be close to home. Um, and his home is Glasgow, Kentucky, which is uh I looked it up today. It's 80.6 miles away from from University of Louisville. Um yeah, so a, I mean, there's you can get home in a weekend. You know, if you got a day off here, yeah, a day exactly. off there, you can get home versus yeah, I mean you can you can meet them halfway at the uh, some rest off rest off of I-65. It'll take you like 33 minutes. Um, so so regardless, he's gonna be a lot closer. Oddly to specific amount of time. Yeah, oddly well, I don't remember I don't know how I remembered 80.6, but I can't remember <laughs> 30, 33 minutes sounds well, rather short in terms of the miles you just mentioned, but go on. Regardless, anyways, as far as what this guy is going to bring to the table, uh, very much um, potential starter role. I'm not saying that he will ultimately be a starter. Obviously, he's coming back from an injury. Uh, he's going to have a learning curve. Um, so I, I'm not seeing him being a starter right off the bat. However, uh, th this makes Louisville have a, a complete, experienced, um, packaged four-guard rotation. Yes. Um, you have uh, no lock. No lock, I believe, is going to be – I believe he will be a senior academically, but he'll still have two years of eligibility. I think that's how that works. Uh, Jared yes, West. I believe that's correct. Jared Last. West is a fifth-year senior. So he's done um, after the season. And then L. Ellis will be a junior. With three years to play. With three years to play, that's right. 
Um, so, but you have a bunch, essentially you have a bunch of guys that are like 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, uh, running your backcourt. Whereas last season you did have Carly Jones and you had uh, a pretty, you know, more of a veteran presence in David Johnson, but he's only 19 years old. This is a guy that's still very raw, still a guy that's very much working on his game. You have four veteran guards uh, that are, you know, I, I don't even want to say that these are like the, I don't know why Fresh Kimball always comes to mind. Like Fresh Kimball is like very like, he's like the most vanilla graduate transfer guard that I can think of. I would, like, I would uh, counter your Fresh Kimball with Tony Hicks. How's that? Oh, Tony Hicks. Now that I've been naming a, some really good players on this that podcast. Is like heaping, true that basketball is, fans you know, will appreciate the name drops during this yeah, episode. Yeah, that, that is a heaping of low fat vanilla yogurt right there. That is that is the that's that is the king of vanilla. And I, I know that because his name would not have even come to mind. But yes, Tony Hooks, Tony Hicks is great. Um, that's maybe the most forgotten grad transfer that actually contributed at all. Here's fun uh, fact. Remember the Michigan game when Louisville went went down uh, and lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament? I think that might be the last time, aside from the the uh, loss to Minnesota, that Louisville has played an NCAA tournament game, which was like Correct. a century ago. But mm-hmm. Quentin Snyder was so bad defensively that Brick Patino had to turn to the guard he hated most and Tony Hicks, who provided less offense than Quan Four, but yet still Ooh. was out there playing that entire second half against Michigan because he was the only one that could guard Derek Walton Jr. Like was, I remember that vividly. And he was a dog on defense too. And he that was, game yeah. Not, yeah. But yeah. look, I don't, I don't want to like kind of, I I, th- I think it's what you just laid out is like spot on in terms of like why you add him, what the value is, where he adds help. My thing all along. And this, this is going to piss off some fans because I understand like, Louisville basketball is always supposed to be great, but I did not think that going into this week that the guards were great, that the backcourt was great. I think they're really, really good or are good with the potential to be really good down the road. Um, But Jared West is uh, not an ACC starting guard, in my opinion. I think he's a backup guard. I think he's, you know, uh, somebody that could split a starting role, but not be the 25, 30 minute per guy. A 30 minute per game guy, right? He didn't do it at Marshall. Mm-hmm. I know he's a really good player there, but he wasn't in at Marshall. Why all of a sudden is he going to be better at the ACC? I think Noah Locke is going to be, you know, one of the, the better players this year. Honestly, he's a guy I'm really excited about because of his ability to get hot from three, but also do other things that he didn't get to do at Florida because they had a guy like Trey Mann who got drafted in the first round by the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had Scotty Lewis, who was the second-round draft pick of the Charlotte Hornets. So this is a guy who played with two other NBA players in the same backcourt, and now he's got the potential to kind of be the guy, my opinion. Um, he's good, but still, there's a lot of questions because he's never done it before. And then L. Ellis, I know everybody has really locked on, on him being a star, but like we've talked about this a lot this offseason that you know, since 2010, there's been like 40-ish JUCO guards that have signed, uh, you know, in the top 10 national rankings, and only 13 of them have scored double digits in their first season. So that's 40 players over roughly about 9, 10 years, only 13 have scored double digits, and only um, two have scored more than 15 points per game. So, like, there was no way L. Ellis was going to be this, the guy. And so when you subtract Carly Jones and you subtract David Johnson – yeah, you add three really good players and are three good players, three role players, three guys who have really good potential in the system to be nice players. That doesn't automatically make you a top 25 team, a tournament team, a final four team, which is what we should be, you know, I shouldn't say we, which Louisville should be doing every year. Now, Mason Faulkner, if you add him, I'm not saying that he is any one of these guards, but it gives you a situation where you're kind of like a Baylor light. Baylor played Macy Oteague. They played 
uh, Davion Mitchell. They played Jared Butler. They played four guards, five guards. And those guys were really like great players. These guys are really, really good players, but it adds a, diff- a different dynamic. Four is much better than three, especially when you talk about injuries. And the problem with what I've heard Chris Mack say all season was that last year they didn't have enough. And this season, I thought the three guards were really nice, but they were missing that guy. And I don't think Mason Faulkner is a star by any means, but I think he's the day one starting one or two, depending on what happens with Noah Locke, like and what they what position they kind of pin these guys at. Um, I know Jared West is further ahead, but I think that Mason Faulkner is the second best guard on the team. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean you're talking about a guy who averaged 17 points a game last year yeah. uh, in a decent conference. I know he's on a bad team. Uh, he's motivated. He's in his last season. He's back home in front of family. Louisville ties are there. I just think that this, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he can step in uh, in a situation where, you know, there's ample amounts of playing time, ample amounts of opportunity to be the guy because it's four new players, essentially. And I, I, I think he's good enough to be a starting guard and really help. And if you're talking about a starting guard, you're pushing Jared West into a backup role, which, man, allows him to be more effective defensively and allows him to do more. Um, then just kind of, you know, have to be the guy and it makes your team that much better. Then you can play lineup versatility. You can play the hot guy. You can play the defensive lineup, the offensive lineup. Um, I just really think that adding a player of this caliber, he's a top 10 transfer this offseason, Presley, like straight up top 15. Yeah. Yeah. That's big at this late in the game, man. And we know oh, yeah. that they needed another player or else they wouldn't have been trying to add Marcus Carr. Um, and I, I, he's not Marcus Carr, but he is the next best thing. Um, and I really do think that he puts Louisville in the top three in the ACC behind uh, right up there with Duke in North Carolina uh, and makes them a top 20 team. Yeah. And, and let me say this too. I think that you talked about Mason Faulkner was kind of, he was the guy on a bad team. You ever hear about, you know what I did with my house, right? I bought the I bought the worst house on on a good street, right? And everybody talks about that. You buy the worst house on a good street. It's it's the opposite in in college basketball. Louisville just went out and got the best house on the worst street. Does it make sense? Yeah. So now oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. So now yeah, totally. when they're moving now when they're moving this house into a new neighborhood, he's going to fit in with all the other houses. There's going to be house. There's going to be a lot of houses around him that weren't like the houses that he was at previously property value, bro. Right, right. His neighbors aren't going to have 15 cars in the driveway. It's going to be a two story house that cleaves a a fresh yard. That's nice and trim. Exactly. And and it just makes your street look that much better. I love this analogy. I'm I'm loving this. So, so essentially what, what Louisville has done with Mason Faulkner is they've increased everyone's property value around him just just the proximity of Mason Mason Faulkner being on this team is going to bring up everybody else around him. Uh, it's going to give, well, first of all, Louisville just more competition in practice, which is they desperately have needed. Like I said, uh, as, as great as Scott Satterfield is doing um, in, in the, in the trans and excuse me, in the walk-on game. Um, I, I think that Chris Mack is lacking just a little bit in that, in that they just don't have, those dogs, I, not that David Levitch is a dog, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like <laughs> they, they don't have the last those animal. I think I would compare him to as a dog, maybe I, like a, a, like a, a swan. They, he's a, he's have, a beautiful swan. You don't have those guys that are like the, you know, the bring your lunch pail to work type of guys Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that are playing against yeah. uh, uh, Jared West 
every single day. Like Jared, Jared West right now is just, just eating people's lunch in practice. I See, you're that. telling me Sam Bearden and Ashton DeVoe miles aren't, uh, aren't guarding him. You don't no, think that they're I, locking I don't, him down. I don't think, like, I think, I think, uh, Jared West is eating Noah Lock, Locks lunch right now. Like, I, I think that the, same he, with L yeah, yeah. I agree. That man. type of player, but Jared, they call him, they're calling him granddad. Like you don't just get right. to be called granddad because you suck. Exactly. So I think that Jared West is going to be one of those guys that like we he could come out the gate and just be like a a boss. But then right. once they get an ACC play, like once they're playing K- Kentucky and, and some of these other uh, non conference teams that that are really they're going to be really solid this season. All of a sudden, you're going to see him take a step back, much like many of the grad transfers that they've had in the past. Um, that no, no grad transfer is made the same, um, but they kind of all most of them are pretty much from the same mold where they've kind of been in the same role um, where they've just absolutely dominated some, some cruddy teams for, for the most part um, and just been just okay against better teams. Um, so, so I, I, I would just like to having, having the, the dynamic of having one more really solid player. I think or a really can, solid house. I like, yeah, let's, one, let's one just more call really him a house. house. Again, again, he's just bringing up that property value. And I, I think that like, even like everybody is just banking so much on LLS, like, I just I, and I will scream this from the rooftops until the season starts, and I have been since before last season ended. But there's no replacing Carly Jones. Like, like I I could not be any higher on how good of a player Carly Jones was, and I don't think people are going to realize that in, in, until we see this team without Carly Jones this season. Granted, there's going to be nine new players on this team, which is insane to think about. Um, but but when you see the the con- construct of this team. Uh, it's definitely going to be missing a true leader off the bat, uh, at least in the backcourt. Obviously, you have Malik Williams in the front court if he's healthy. Um, but but if you just have this this roster dynamic, yeah, of having one more extra guard, yeah, um, I think that kind of takes the pressure off of L. Ellis, yeah, I don't- and, and Jared West because I don't think that like so you know to 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 Jared West like I don't think you have to be the best player to be the leader on a team and I I think that for Jared West to kind of settle into the role as a leader where he is playing you know he's still playing a very important role but maybe it's not the guy it it just it it really allows everybody else to get more specialized and more focused in on their craft and what they're doing and you know that that analogy of the property value is absolutely a, a great thing and uh, I'll, let, I'll I'll wrap it up um, in regards to Mason Faulkner and just the roster right here. But I I love this roster because you legit can play 14 players. Yep, 14 players. There's 14 guys that'll be on this roster this year. 13 scholarship players, assuming they add Mason Faulkner. Um, you include Malik Williams being back, and you can go 14 deep. That is huge. Last season, you couldn't even probably go 11 deep. So that's three additional players who are better than what you had last year. I really think that this is a second weekend team at a minimum uh, and at a maximum, it's a, it's a final four team, uh, potential, you know, national championship contender. There's a lot of really good teams in college basketball this year, but uh, I like what Mac has done here. And uh, I think fans who have been bitching about him just need to shut up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what Chris Mack has done, they kind of like put a, you know, tie a ribbon on this, tie a bow on this, if you will. Louisville has some real true playmakers in uh, Matt Cross, who we just never talk about for some reason. I mean, obviously, it could be because he's one of what would I say eight or nine guys that, that are coming in. So I kind of get it, but like eight new players, assuming they add Mason Faulkner. Okay, assuming they add Mason Faulkner, you got eight new guys. Matt Cross should be one of the guys that's way more talked about than he is. Top one hundred guy, torched Louisville last season. Every chance that he got against a good team, he played really well. 
Matt Cross is a stud that nobody is, is that we need to put more respect on his name. Um, you're looking at a guy in Samuel Williamson who is a you know potential all ACC type of guy and a, a guy that a lot of people think could be the best player on this team. Um, you have a guy, you have two guys really um, in, in the front court um, in, in JJ Trainer and, and whom, whom am I forgetting? Um, Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers. Goodness gracious. Jalen Withers is the guy I would say all ACC. Yeah. Jalen Withers it was all ACC freshman last year, right? Yeah. And he, it very guy, easily could be the most improved player in the country in the conference. Absolutely. Um, so he, he th- that could be a guy who's a focal point of the of, of the offense. And then you talk about Malik Williams, um, who is, is perhaps the best defender in the league. You put all that together, all Louisville really needed was just a really solid backcourt. Like they they didn't need any like they honestly they didn't need a, a Marcus Carr. Not that they wouldn't have taken him, but I'm saying like they don't need a guy who's going to be like the guy because they already have like three or four guys who can step up and be the guy next yeah. season. Yeah. What they needed was was guys who can distribute the ball. When they got when they got Noah Locke, um, I was ecstatic because you know that adds adds a little bit of shooting to the roster. But Noah Locke is he's not a playmaker. Like as much as and trust me, I'll I'll eat my he's, work. I'll, he's I'll gonna back. try to get there. Like that's why he came to Louisville, right? He's Florida wouldn't let him do try it. to, but you don't bring in guys who who are just because they're gonna try to do something. You bring in guys because of the skill set they they provide. And, and and Noah Locke is is an is a a, a spot up knockdown shooter. And I don't think that Louisville should try to go too far away from that, right? And so now they they have with Jared West, he averaged six assists per game last season on a pretty crappy. I'm not gonna say pretty crappy, but like. A, a team that Louisville probably should have handily beat last year in Marshall. Um, uh, and then you also have, but uh, by the same token, Jared West has played on teams that, that had success in the NCAA tournament as my dog is growling in the background. Um, she, it, Cause they're trying to wrap it up. That's what they're trying, telling us. She's trying to wrap, wrap it up. The baby's coming. Um, yeah. So, you know, what base essentially what, what I'm trying to say is Chris Mack has assembled a backcourt that is able to make, that is able to distribute, and make plays for the guys uh, who are going to be the true stars on this yeah. team. And that's all you can really ask for. Yep. All right. Announcement. 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 Woo! Announcement. Announcement. The moment you've all been waiting for. That's right. Folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Presley so, Meyer. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so we wanted to use this opportunity. This is kind of a bridge episode for us. Obviously, if you're a loyal listener to the podcast, you know that myself and Will, Will Reddington have kind of been doing this thing for a little little under a year now. Um, Will has decided to step down and focus on his, his he's focusing on himself, okay? A little focusing. me time. <laughs> right now it's me time. I don't know if that's a song, but little I like time it. for myself now. Is it like Bruno Mars? I don't know who sings that. It's a beginning of a like a Drake song, maybe or something. But it's I was thinking perfectly maybe here. like a Continue. little Silk Sonic. Anyway, first time I've ever sang on a podcast, so hopefully there's some good feedback on that. Yeah, I'll edit that out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so, anyways, Will Reddington has decided to step down. We were very gracious for his time here at the starting five. Absolutely, podcast. But if you uh, are tuning into the podcast and you don't see his beautiful, luscious red hair on the cover, uh, you'll understand why. Um, but we have decided to bring on another guy, one of the true great guys in Louisville Cardinals fandom. Yes. And our man, Nick Connor. Nick Connor. Woo, Nick Connor. Nick, yeah. Nick, 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 Nick is Nick, formerly Nick, of Nick. the Back to the Bricks podcast. 
I know that Nick gets on Jacob for saying Bricks. the Bricks podcast. Bricks. He's from he's from the Back to the Bricks podcast. I know they talk a lot about uh, you know some of that Hoosier stuff. They talk about some other uh, nonsense. But Nick is is a fellow golf guy like myself, so maybe we'll get into some golf analogies. Yeah, and- y'all have written a couple of great pieces for the state of Louisville together. Yeah, looking yeah, at we golf, won't, we won't be doing any golf analysis necessarily, but we could you know not here. We could we not could under have, my watch. No, <laughs> but we could have some some you know some fun golf analogies. We could have some good back and forth, um, some good banter because I know he's a big Spieth guy. I'm a big Justin Thomas guy, so uh, that could always be fun. I need some uh, Brooks no. Kepka and uh, 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 Bryce DeChambeau feud That's right. uh, That's type right. of debates. Also, I will say though, I want to point out um, Nick did write for us at Big Red Louie. Um, years ago was uh, was uh, one of our original writers and a guy that uh, I'm really fond of. He's a teacher um, right outside of, uh, I believe, Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, he's he is a, a big fan. He's a guy that keeps it very real. He's got a lot of great opinions, sees things differently. And isn't a Louisville fan who's going to be, oh, my God, we got this player. And that means they're great because they're coming here. No, he's going to keep it real. And I like that for this podcast because, um, you know, we are the kind of guys that want to be fans but we also want to be realistic and we want our audience to know us for that right like we want to be Absolutely. we don't want to be gas bags i mean we do but we don't yeah yeah we can there will be gas baggery when gas baggery is necessitated but until that moment we will only bring to you the hardest softest j journalism there is i don't even know what the difference is the hardest j journalism that's some big time journalists some hard that's some tim sullivan journalism right there some hard right. hard j uh but yeah man i'm excited for you guys to take the reins here uh we obviously got to get some updated artwork uh because you yeah. don't have red hair but um, yeah. i'm excited for um a lot of of new content new guests a new way of looking at louisville basketball hopefully getting some coaches on maybe some players some former players some some you know some analysts from the acc just a lot of different things here um that we just didn't now uh, really have the time for in season one yep. to be honest um, right. and we've got from the pink seats podcast the podcast which i i host about louisville football with matt mcgavick um we've got um you know over there where we we have been Bottom able of- to kind of really dive into Louisville football um, and look at it from like this, you know, 30,000 foot view all the way down to the nitty gritty of Brock Doman committing out of nowhere. So that's what I hope for this basketball podcast is that you guys can literally cover everything. We're going to cover it all, bro. Um, and you know what? I, I, I'm excited about the way that our podcast network is coming together. Like I was, I was about to say, the Vamos Morados podcast is something completely out of left field yep. that we'd never done before. Um, and we love what our guys are doing over there. Um, so, so we have a lot of exciting stuff coming in. Uh, obviously, yeah, third and central, be, which we're not, be, you know, big baseball guys ourselves. Yes. But Matt, Matt at bat, they do a great job over there at, at giving us the baseball coverage. So, but we have it kind of covered everywhere. And w- what we know, Presley, from being fans since we were little toddlers, going to games with our glasses and our gaps in between our teeth at four foot one. Uh, as we know that basketball is king here and we got to have a good basketball podcast if we're going to have a good website and a good podcast network and put out good content. So uh, you guys are going to do that. And I'm really, I'm really grateful for Will. I want to, I do want to shout out Will because this is a guy I took a chance on doing something with us when we were like, Hey man, we want to like build this website uh, that we pay for all ourselves and have no revenue from. And uh, <laughs> we want you to host the podcast uh, just, you know, uh, every week about basketball for free. And, 
yeah, for free. And instead of asking questions, he just said, all right, man, yeah, well, I trust you guys. Let's do it. So we did it, and it was great. You all were awesome. You did a and remarkable now, job, by the way. Absolutely. Will is uh, – somebody in this state, this town of some radio station at some point has got to hire that guy because he is fantastic. Uh, but you and Nick are going to do a great job, and uh, I'm excited for it. Thanks for I having am- me on, man. I'm glad to be the filler guy. Uh, dude, I can be your wait. rebound. I can be your rebound, man. You can be my rebound, man. And w- trust me, unlike the previous regime, I don't know who those guys were, but we are going to make sure that we get you on more than that. You know, I don't know when you guys did the first podcast with Mike. You all must have lost my phone number at some point or, you know, blocked me on Twitter or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get the heck out of here. The next time you hear from me, uh, it's going to be with a new voice. Uh, we're going to call it season two. We're going to get out there. We're going to be excited. Uh, I cannot wait. Uh, to talk to you guys again. 